Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, Kimberly Majeski. Kimberly, so good to see you. Thanks for coming alongside. <laughs> good to be here. And I today saw you in the company of your precious boy, Max. Oh, yes. He is how old now? Six months. And he is one handsome child. Let <laughs> me say it. And let's say it also not only is he just innately handsome, no six month old boy is ever better dressed <laughs> than Maximus Majeski. Well, we do try. Well, I just want you. <laughs> To know, I'm impressed. And as I was looking at you and Max today in the studio, I, I just thought, boy, how precious is that boy to you? Mm-hmm. I mean, in your life, you love your husband, you have extended family and friends, of course, and you have this son. And is there anything you wouldn't do for him? Right. And and in life, you want him to have everything, every opportunity, every good thing that you could mm-hmm. possibly engineer. How awful it would be if you found your relationships unraveling in such a way that he might suffer. Mm -hmm. And boy, would that just tear your heart out. You don't want to suffer, but to think that the course of your life has put him in jeopardy? Of course. Whoa. Mm -hmm. That would be woundedness Mm -hmm. of the most deep kind. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's our subject today. Because Viewpoint has been exploring what it's like to be wounded, even to be wounded by people who are otherwise good or we might see as God's people. Yes. How do we recover from that and... How do we cope with it? And what are the natural outcomes of being rejected or wounded, abandoned? These thoughts are inspired by a book written by Anne Graham Lotz, great author, great Bible teacher, and oh yes, incidentally, the daughter of Billy Graham. (laughs) And uh, she's known some wounded places too. And in a book she's labeled Wounded, she inspired us to think a little bit about it also, which is bringing us to this program. And it's tied to the story in the Old Testament of a woman named Hagar, who was a young mom who found her life in jeopardy and that of her precious and only child as well. Stay with us. You are my hiding place You always fill my heart With songs of deliverance Whenever I Trust in you. I will trust in you. Let the weak say I am strong in the strength of the Oh, to live 
As you're listening to our program today, you may have a question or a thought or a comment to make. You may want to ask for prayer or just ask us what we think. We just want you to know we're always glad to hear from you. And we have a toll-free number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Call us anytime. We want you to know that we are glad to hear your voice. Kimberly, as we're thinking about the story of Hagar in the uh, Old Testament, we have a young woman who's vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? I mean, she has uh, very little control over her destiny. Right. The ancient civilization to which she was born placed her in a place of servitude, right. of slavery. She has to kind of do the bidding of other people. She is in society the most vulnerable. She's at the bottom rung of uh, vulnerability in ancient context. And uh, an Egyptian, we believe, Mm -hmm. who finds herself sold or traded to some traveling vagabonds who come down to the Nile Valley and find their way back up into what we now call Palestine or Israel, that, that neighborhood of the world. These people to whom she has been traded are called Abraham and Sarah. These are great figures in the Old Testament narrative of the scripture. And I'm going to guess, as she found company with them, that she probably found something she liked, even though it was very different. Mm -hmm. Abraham was a good man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sarah was a good woman. But they were not perfect. Right. And they had their flaws and their (laughs) insecurities, and sometimes they tried to act out God's will on their own terms. Mm -hmm. And that usually led to pain and suffering. That's right. And that was Hagar's story, because what happens to Hagar? I mean... How does she find herself in the crosshairs with Abraham and Sarah? Because Abraham tries to help God accomplish something <laughs> that God says God will do. My goodness. It's, uh, it's true. That's how uh, people get hurt. That's how things um, unfold the way that they do in ways that devastate and crush and uh, harm other people because we get in the way of what God has told us or try to mix up or get involved with things that are not ours to do. And God had promised Abraham that he would have a child, a son. Mm -hmm. And uh, he and his wife were not able to conceive naturally, it seems, for a long period of time. And so he decides, together with his wife, that we're going to help God get this done Yes. by taking Hagar as my sleeping partner. Mm -hmm. And my, again, Hagar's vulnerable. What can Mm -hmm. she do? Mm And however she responds to it, and let's be honest, in her context, in her time, she might have felt like, oh, well, I'm I'm glad I'm the one that was chosen, or maybe I'm going to have a leg up on the other servant girls, or boy, I'm going to have the the place of honor now next to Abraham, who runs the place. However she experienced it, she finds herself in a way used to produce an heir, Mm -hmm. and she has one. It's a boy, Ishmael. It's Abraham's son. Yes. It's her son. Yes. But that doesn't really satisfy the situation and doesn't help Sarah, who has her own child eventually. And now there's jealousy and Hagar herself gets a little puffed up and kind of derides Sarah. And then Sarah has her own child named Isaac and Ishmael, who is the son of Abraham and Hagar. They get into it and pretty soon she's thrown out. Right. This is a big problem that we see happening in these civilizations in the ancient Near East where... Um, Really what happens is um, Hagar's child is the property of Sarah um, because it's Sarah's handsmaid who provides that for Abraham. And then there is the question of inheritance. So the eldest son inherits the goods, the cattle, the flock, the herds. The biggest portion of the whole estate. From the father. And so there is contention here between will Ishmael be uh, the recipient of the inheritance or Isaac? 
And while it seems like a faraway place long ago, in truth today, we still have similar scenarios. It's mm. maybe not uh, framed in the same way exactly, but we have people who have children and then there are other children born and there are jealousies and different relationships mm -hmm. and different women and different men involved and all kinds of complicated weaves. And, sure. and in the end, people are abandoned or rejected or choices are made at the expense of someone else. And all of it is a mess up. Mm -hmm. And what happens to Hagar is what happens to many of us when we find ourselves in scenarios where we feel like we're the ones rejected, yeah. or we're the person who's abandoned, or we're the one who's sent away. And in Genesis chapter 21, verse 14, we have just a glimpse of what Hagar experienced. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food in a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. And then he sent her away with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. The decision was made to send Hagar and Ishmael away mm -hmm. into the wilderness. And, well, you know what? We don't want to send her empty-handed, so we'll make a backpack. Yeah. Peanut butter, banana sandwiches, and a jug of water. She has enough to live for a couple of days, yeah. So you can get far enough away not to bother us anymore. Mm. I mean, I don't mean to be harsh in the assessment of the events, but boy, that's how it feels. No, it is harsh. And she is a casualty of the situation, right? Not This is not her own fault. Um, she is, she's innocent. She's just sort of caught up in, in the brokenness of what has happened. And in this phrase of the scripture, we have our lives summarized too when we find ourselves sent away. Mm. She wanders aimlessly in the desert. Two months is too little They let him go They had no sudden healing To think that providence would Take a child from his mother While she prays is appalling Who told us we'd be rescued what has changed and why should we be saved from nightmares? We're asking why this happens to us who have died to live. It's unfair. This is what it means to be held. How it feels when the sacred is torn.
If we're sent into the desert to wander aimlessly, if we're dispossessed by people we once trusted, if we're rejected by our own family or our employer or by our community, when we find ourselves by the curb and not sure what to do, it's like wandering aimlessly mm. in a desert. Mm. In the Hebrew, uh, yeah. there's a word for desert. What does it mean? Yeah, midbar. Uh, it literally means place of no words. Uh, the place where you go, where you cannot hear God, um, where you don't know what to say, a place of confusion and frustration and really utter lostness. It's an experiential word that the Hebrews used actually to describe a geographic place. Right. A desert that is uninhabited, it's uncultivated, it is inhospitable, it's not welcoming. It's a place where you're isolated, where you fear the unknown, where the even the sky blue above, which in an other circumstance might be very encouraging, is a threat because the sun beats down. It's a place where you're thirsty. Mm. And of course, physical thirst can be overwhelming, but an emotional thirst. Is there anyone that cares for me? Is there anyone that cares about me? Uh, if I live or die, does it matter? A thirst for relationship, a thirst for value, a thirst for being in connectivity to someone else. Hagar experienced all that with her son, a little boy. Mm -hmm. We're not sure how old he was, but he still was a minor child. And she's the adult, and she's cast out. What to do? I mean, it's such a desperate, desperate moment. Mm -hmm. And I have to believe that as she was wandering aimlessly, as many of us do, mm -hmm. our faith is challenged. This is a woman who had known God before, who had had God intervene before. She has a mm -hmm. history mm -hmm. and a witness of God's intervening grace. But in this moment of time, her own child's life threatened, not to speak of her own, mm -hmm. as she is looking at that blazing hot sun and staring at a desert where there is no water to be found and her supplies are running out. Her faith has to be challenged. Wait a minute. 
Yeah, you know, I did what I was. I did what was asked of me, and here I here I am. And where are you, God? And are you even existing, God? I mean, we can get right down to the bottom of any faith barrel and wonder if there even is a God when we're wandering aimlessly. But we all understand that that's a dead end. If you wander aimlessly, it can only take you nowhere. Mm-hmm. How do we get back on track? How do we find life again? Mm. Moses as mm. another great character uh, in the scripture, and he had his moments too where he felt rejected and put aside. He thought that he was doing the right thing and he would explain it to the people who were with him and they'd say, we're not doing that, or why have you done this? Why did you lead us out here? Uh, are you out of your mind? Uh, we'd rather go back to the desperate scenarios that we knew before, at least they were familiar. I mean, he lived with this constantly, over and over in a cycle. Can you imagine? I mean, just, and to have to get up every day and keep going. And he came to a place, more than once, I think, where he just was exasperated. He was himself, though in the company, he wasn't necessarily by himself physically, but even in the company of many other the thousands of his own community, oh, yes. he felt like he was wandering aimlessly in the desert. Mm-hmm. He thirsted for some community with God and with his people. Exodus chapter 33 gives us an insight there where he's uh, crying out to God. Kimberly, you have that in front of you. Read us a few verses there from Exodus 33, a moment where Moses also is wandering aimlessly. This is verses 18 to 23. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock, As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed you by. And then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. Anne Graham Lotz in her book, Wounded, upon reading this text and struggling with her own sense of being abandoned, Mm. reflected that as she was reading it, she recognized that God is always close by, even if you're not allowed to see him. Mm. And, and what happens here for Moses is, Moses is reassured by the presence of God, but he's also told, you can't see all of me. You're not going to be able to actually get what you're asking for. Mm. I want to see your glorious presence. No, you can't take it. Mm. But I'm going to show you enough of myself to reassure you, even in this cleft, this crevice of the rock, as I pass by, you're going to know. You're not alone, Moses, and everyone else in this desert may never embrace you again, and you may find yourself physically alone, but you are not alone because my presence is here. I love that. Close by. So beautiful. And that's what Hagar experienced also Mm. because as she came to a point of complete surrender, she hid her son under the shade of a bush, fearful Mm. that they were going to die, and she wanted him not to be in the hot heat of the sun in the desert. And she herself went a little distance away, And she could hear the boy crying, and she also just sat down and gave up everything. Her only hope then could be God, and the scripture tells us God heard the boy's cry, and he knew Hagar, and he intervened in the same way he did with Moses and reassured her, you're not alone, and there's a life and a future for you, just as there was for Moses. And that's an important truth for all of us right here, that if you're wandering aimlessly today, 
you feel like you've been pushed out and you have nowhere to go, and you're wrestling with all of that thirst of the desert, that place without words, we want you to know that God is very close by. And all you must do is surrender all. Just surrender. Give up. Stop being angry. Release your bitterness. Try and just be quiet and calm and let your heart ask God. God, just show me. Encourage me something in the way in your service. And as he showed up for Moses, as he came and met up with Hagar, he will meet you too. You'll still be in the desert. There'll still be some journey to take, and it won't always be easy. But he will walk with you to a better day. How to get there? You can take a step right now and pray with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that even in the desert of life and even when we feel like we're just wandering aimlessly, there is a path ahead that we can follow that you have set before us. If we could only see it, if we could only believe in it, we do believe, Lord, that you are and that you are all-knowing and that you are watching over us kindly. And Lord, so right now, in our aimless wandering, in our wilderness, we pause and we just surrender. We give up. We know that we can't make the way ourselves. We know that we can't make the path ourselves. We know that we have no way to turn except to you. And we ask that you will show us your presence. Even as Moses did, even as Hagar did, we pray, Lord, that you will come close by and let us, like they, experience you. We pray, Lord, for our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who promised us that he would never leave us, he would never forsake us. And even to the end of the age, even to the edges of the desert, even to the last, that we would not be alone, we pray, Lord, that we might sense him, feel him, and know him. It is in his name that we pray, thankful for his work on the cross that makes this prayer possible and powerful. Amen.
Again, if you'd like to reach out to us, if you'd like to ask more about this God who never fails, if you have a question or a comment, or would just like us to pray with you, give us a call. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're always by the phone. Or if you want to visit us online, you can go to cbhviewpoint.org, send us a message, and we'll be back in touch. At the last, if you prefer, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you choose to call, go online, or send us a letter in the mail, please let us hear from you this week and know God is close by. Kimberly, thanks for coming alongside today as always. Oh, I loved it. Good topic. And thank you for tuning in also. We're so glad to have you with us. We hope you'll join us again next week as Viewpoint always strives to help you see your own world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.